This Quietcast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. In a world dominated by fake news and cancel culture. Oh, sounding a little bit, you know, right-wing conservative, fake news, cancel culture. So let's reframe. Fair. In a world dominated by intolerance, bigotry, and ignorance, Mm, can we... I think that might be going too far left-wing progressive. Just keep going. All right. The Ideas Digest podcast is all about exploring different viewpoints and challenging your own beliefs. In each episode, we flip a coin to determine which side of a controversial societal issue we will debate. We then compete to persuade someone to change their mind. Insert montage here. If it lands on heads, you shouldn't be a fan of Jordan Peterson. Trump is not guilty. Coin flip, tails. And I'm pro porn, baby. Let me take someone who wants to have kids and tell them why this is a bad idea. Yeah. And then here comes along Andrew Tate. Escape your echo chamber each week at Ideas Digest, everywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is sad. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Yeah, I'm excited about today's episode because I think it's going to lead to... I don't know how to say it. it, It's... it's, (laughs) I had to... I had to watch so many news coverages for it because I was like, I have to make sure I'm saying this right. This is all I've been able to think about all day is that I can't say this word. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And (laughs) I I think it's going to lead to a lot of like really good conversation, but it's just, it really is sad. It's really heartbreaking. And I think a lot of you, um, especially if you have a background in religion, you're going to be able to understand or at least know people who kind of fall into this category or kind of fell down this rabbit hole or somewhat close to it. So today we're going to be talking about the We Ambilla shooting. Yes, that's how you say it. Say it. Say it. it. We Ambilla. Yeah, We Ambilla. And it is a town in Australia for all the Australian um, listeners. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, sorry, I'm white and from America. Not that Australia is white, but yeah. Wait, anyway. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's an Australian accent? William Bella. On the Bob. No, no. On the Bob. I can't do it. It's like a really laid back. William Bella. We have Australians in the podcast network. We should be better at this. Do we? Yeah. I didn't know we did. The the digest. Yeah, I have no idea. The Oh. Yeah, those two dudes. That's cool. They're Australian. Sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) I've been to Australia. It's beautiful. Love Australia. It's like one of the Australia and New Zealand are like two of my favorite places in the world. I say that, but I haven't been to England yet. She's probably going to leave me to go there one day. I don't know. I want to go to England and I want to... Big Ben, the clock is like, it's my favorite monument in the entire world. Is it? And I want to go to it so bad. And it's my favorite place for our... I think it was like our eight-year anniversary. We were like piss fucking broke. I mean, we were piss broke. And like, we couldn't even, we couldn't even buy a cracker for each other. And Tyler felt so bad. And so he downloaded this like 3D module type, like live, live action. I don't know if live action is like the right word, but Mm. but, like 3D, like Google maps type thing where you could actually like walk the streets of big, of London. And he's like, I can't take you there yet. But like, 
handed me the computer and just like let me explore. It was the cutest thing ever. I was like, oh my God, you're adorable. Wait, okay, but that's fucking adorable. It was super cute. I will never forget it. My grand grand actually says that she has been everywhere, which is not true. She's not left the country, but <laughs> she's like, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. And it's like, she's not lying because she goes on Google Maps whenever she's like bored and she'll just like, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. I want to see the Grand Canyon. I want to see like whatever. She's hilarious. She'll just I go. I love her. Do a street view of whatever she wants to see. And then she'll be like, oh, look at, and this street and this, and this is on this side and it's near this. And it's like. <laughs> and for her, she's been there. <laughs> she's been there. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. She's not wrong. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah, I, I love Australia. I, w- I did a study abroad trip there. I did two weeks in New Zealand and two weeks in Australia. And it was the best fucking month of my life. I swear it was so cool. So we're taking you guys to Australia. Go ahead and flex on us. We know you're cooler than us, Lacey. E- the school paid for it. So like I give it all up oh, okay. to the, the school. The school paid for like 99% of it. I think I paid $3,000 for the entire trip. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I, and we you like traveled of the north and south. I, no, right. We traveled the north and south island of New Zealand. And then we went like three different places in uh, Australia. We went to Sydney, uh, somewhere else. And then we went to Cairns, which is like the top right part of Sydney. And we like snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, and in New Zealand, I swam with sharks and like rappelled down waterfalls. Mind you, it was like summertime here, but wintertime there. And we still, our American asses were like, let's rappel down waterfalls. It was fucking miserable. And we almost died in the mountains and I got chickens thrown at me in Crocs. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. It was beautiful. I loved it. I almost died. <laughs> at the end of it, we were like, yeah, we did that. But like the whole time we were doing it, we were all fucking miserable. Like they picked us up and oh, we're like, God. yeah, we we don't get anybody that signs up for this this late in the year. And oh, we're like, God. yeah, we're American. We're stupid as fuck. Red flag. <laughs> if you ever go to a foreign country and they say, oh, no one does this this time of year, leave. <laughs> Dude, and there were so many red flags. Like there are times when I'm like, how did we not die here? So like they pick us up. It wasn't like a super janky van, but it was kind of janky. Mm. They take us out into like <laughs> the fucking forest, the middle of nowhere in New-, in New Zealand. And then there's these like tiny little like, garage things and you like walk in and you're supposed to put on a wetsuit because you're literally rappelling down waterfalls. Yeah. So they have you put on wetsuits and then they're like, find a pair of of shoes that fit you. They're Crocs. That's like all they fucking are. They're fucking a huge pile of Crocs. And so we pick out our stuff and like, I don't even know if this shit was clean. I don't know who else peed in this wetsuit. Croc on the bobby. Yeah. So then we're, we're in this room changing. And then all of a sudden, a fucking chicken is thrown through the window of our changing room. One of the guys did it. And I was like, <laughs> we're going to fucking die. I saw. Was it? Was it? Oh, shit. Where's this going? Was it a rotisserie chicken or a live <laughs> chicken? It was a live chicken. Why would you, where the fuck would they get a rotisserie chicken in the middle of the goddamn forest? <laughs> the janky van. <laughs> oh my god. I'm fucking crying. <laughs> I just imagine someone hurling a rotisserie chicken <laughs> through a window. Honestly, the rotisserie chicken would have been ten times less scary. Like chickens freak the fuck out. Here's your protein, guys. Oh. <laughs> 
We're all like literally half naked trying to get into these goddamn wetsuits and a live chicken comes flying in the window at us. Like, I I don't know how we didn't die. I literally don't know how we didn't die. It was, yeah. And they're like, don't pee in your wetsuit because then the eels will come up to you. What? And I was like, oh, they're just, they're just yeah. I was like, they're just saying that because they don't want you to pee in the wetsuit. No, that like legit happens. Oh my God. I know. Uh, we were stupid. Is this our pro tip for today? Just for everyone out there. Don't, don't pee in a, a wetsuit. Tracks the eels. I know somebody's going to come on and be like that. No, that is a myth. And I was like, I swear Google told me it wasn't. But okay. Well, until someone tells us that, I'm not peeing in a wetsuit. You can't make me pee in a wetsuit. That's it. You can't, <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> He's trying to make me pee in a wetsuit. Arrest this man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to get back on track. And get back to the story. I'm glad we gave you guys 10 minutes of just full-blown laughter and and just a shit show. Welcome to the shit show. Thank you for taking us to Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm settled in. Okay, so today, today we're talking about the We Villa shooting. Now, this, this shooting, it was a very much like open and shut case. It never went to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll understand as we go through it. And so there's... Only the information that's out there is what has been shared to the media. So there are a lot of aspects, I think, to this story that we will never know. There's going to be questions we have that we're never going to get answers to. Um, And it's very frustrating, but there's enough of the story to piece together a really good theory of like what was going on in these people's minds. And we can kind of like, I want to talk about like when we get to the end of the case, like what led them there and how religion paid, played a massive role in it. But trigger warnings before we get started, um, we are talking about a mass shooting. There's not a whole lot of deaths, but um, I think there's like five, six, six deaths in total. Then there we are. We are going to talk about murder. It's not graphic. Uh, we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, the rapture, end times, and we're going to have some very small mentions of abuse like very short. Yeah, those are the trigger warnings. If those are too much, we will listen with you guys on another case. So we'll see you guys later. But without further ado, let's get into this. So this case is very new. It just happened literally um, a year ago at the end of 2022. So this is very recent. Yeah. So on December 12th, 2022, New South Wales police asked Queensland police to go to Gareth Train and his wife Stacy's property to do a well check for a 46-year-old Nathaniel Train. That was Gareth's brother. Now, Nathaniel and his second wife, Vanessa, split in 2021, but they had stayed in some kind of like regular contact with each other. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, he had like, not made contact with her for some reason since October 9th. And she was getting really worried. And so she phoned the police. She explained the situation. Like, I cannot get a hold of him. I'm really scared and worried about him. So by the advice of the police, they said, you should file a missing persons report because once you file that report, that gives us the ability to like actually go out and do a search or, or, you know, it it opens up, you know, um, what it was the word I'm looking for. It opens up. Op- not opportunities, but resources. It opens up resources oh, okay. for you and for us. So she filed the missing persons report on December 4th, 2022. Um, she had also become worried after being inundated. I mean, like inundated with threatening and volatile messages from Nathaniel's brother, Gareth. What and the fuck? The, she, 
Yeah, it was like really bad. He was calling her and um, blaming her, trying to say that she was like sending people to kill them. And like, it was a very outlandish. Like you could Random. tell he was <laughs> ran, way out on the deep, in the deep end. So she's like, something's going on. Now, Gareth and Nathaniel were raised by their parents, Ronald and Gwen Train. Ronald was a pastor and they raised the boys in a Christian home. They had Mm -hmm. two other siblings, but Nathaniel and Gareth were very close as they grew up. As a child, Gareth was diagnosed with Asperger's, which nowadays this diagnosis would be put under the umbrella of um, autism. Asperger's was like, I'm not novice. I said get disowned. I was going to say disowned, but (laughs) I guess that's a really good way of saying it because I mean, the guy that, yeah, because the guy that they was, Called Asperger's because the guy who found the diagnosis or mm-hmm. came up with what well, you guys get what I'm saying, but he was also very much the, the condition. There we go. He named the condition. Named the condition. There you go. But what wasn't it? I can't remember. But I think he was very much like supporting the Nazis. Pretty sure something like that. I have no information in my brain about that. I'm so pretty I sure. I'm in. pretty sure that's what it was. Okay. And so as a society, we were like, huh, should pro- he should probably like not have stuff named after him. For sure. And as research has gone on, you know, they've really understood the spectrum of autism, which Asperger's is literally just part of that autism spectrum mm-hmm. and part of that umbrella. So as they got older, Gareth developed a love for guns. Nathaniel did too, but Gareth's love was like an obsession. And as a teen, Gareth became very hard to manage. He was volatile and had many issues in school. His father said that Gareth was an overpowering person. And sometime after their marriage... Was he, like, angry? He just... I don't think he was able to, like, really regulate his emotions. And so he would just, like, snap... Okay. On a whim. And he was very controlling. Like he wanted to kind of have his hand over everything. He really liked to have the power, it seems like. At least that's my interpretation after listening to his father, you know, kind of speak for a little bit. It was like a really short interview. So I kind of had to piece together as much as I could just from that little bit of time. Yeah. He also says that Gareth was like really overpowering. Um, The father said that. So but when Nathaniel became an adult, he married a woman named Stacy when she was 18. So they married pretty young. And sometime after their marriage, her, Nathaniel, and Gareth chose to cut off their entire families. Now, the excuse that they gave for cutting off their families was because they said that they believed that they had been exposed to a pedophile when they were children. But that's all we know. Like, they never called out anybody oh, specifically. They never said that they were abused or they were molested or raped or anything. They just said we were exposed Mm -hmm. to a pedophile. And because of that, we're cutting off our entire family. Now, I will, I'm always the first to say, like, I believe victims. This easily could have, could have happened. I will not say that this was, this was a lie or over-exaggerated. I just wish there was more information to understand deeper why they went to the extreme of cutting off their family. Because I feel like there's more to this story and and that's all we know. And that's frustrating to me because yeah. I'm like, I have questions uh, and I will never have answers. And that's, ugh. And it could be a contributing factor. Yeah. In the long run. Now, Nathaniel and Stacy, they had two kids. They had Madeline and Aiden. When their oldest, Madeline, was about three years old, they unfortunately separated. But by some 
weird turn of events, Stacy then started a relationship with Gareth, Nathaniel's brother. Uh, and then they got married. What? What is happening? This is already. I, I, that. Okay. Th- th- I got whiplash when I found that. I was like, what? I'm very confused. And then it was even more confusing because their daughter, Madeline, has done interviews after this whole situation. And she has said that they had like a, just a perfectly normal childhood. And they all played a part in raising the kids. And they were like amicable and it was fine. And I'm like. I mean, that's good. That's good. And I, I love that that's, yeah. that's how she sees it. And I, I hate to do this, but uh-huh. I, I have my doubts that in reality, it was as sunshine and rainbows as she has portrayed sometimes. And you'll understand mm. why as we keep going forward. Now, perfect. also later on, we do find out um, from their father that he said that Gareth was so overpowering that it was his opinion that he just basically took over Nathaniel's relationship with Stacy, And that's kind of how that transpired. Now, that's his opinion. Okay. That's not fact. It's okay. just his opinion. But it is coming from his lived experience as Gareth's father and raising him. So mm-hmm. I feel like that holds a lot of weight. But again, it's not fact. It's just his his opinion. As a, uh, as an adult, like I said earlier, Madeline said that the all the adults put the children first. They made raising the children their priority. They did it together as like co-parenting type situations. And they all had an equal and impactful like role in these kids' lives. And they have, she said, they have tons of wonderful memories going on trips and doing things all together. And it was great. And I, I, okay. So. I mean, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. She does say that she mostly lived with Gareth and Stacy, but she would occasionally live with Nathaniel as well. But as she got older, she said that she became a handful and was sent to boarding school. To me, that doesn't sound like a childhood full of rainbows and butterflies and wonderful memories. Mm-mm. Because if it's so bad that you're acting out and you became a handful, that so much so that you're having... <gasps> what does that even to- mean, a handful? Yeah, and that's... Like, what that, does that even mean? I, yeah, but... That's all we know. Okay. And it was so much so that she was sent to a boarding school. And this could go... Was it like an all-girls boarding school? I don't know. All she said is she was sent to a boarding school. That's all it said. Mm-hmm. And and I it, I feel like this could go one of two ways. Like, she really was a handful, or mm-hmm. they made her feel like she was a handful, but she was just a normal kid. And yeah, so yeah. Like, I just don't know. Okay. But I just, I'm like, mm. I do also speculate and wonder, like, could this have been her, like, if she was like acting out and becoming a handful, was it because that this weird love triangle with her <laughs> father, mother, <laughs> uncle, stepdad, shit show. Sister, brother, wife, cousin? Yeah, yeah. Could it have been that she was just too young to like, cope with the feelings that she was having. She didn't understand them. She couldn't express them. And so it came out in acting out. Yeah. I don't know. It's a theory. I Who knows? But I just, I can't help but wonder, honestly. No, for sure. And if there was like possibly a struggle with power when it came to that like co-parenting dynamic, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to... That's going to make an impact on the kids. So, and and just how people have like his own father has talked about Gareth 
and how even we'll find out later on, like what more people talk about Gareth. I just am like, I feel like there was probably more that went on. And I just don't see how he was such an easy person to live with or if he was just a completely different person with the kids. I I have no idea, but Hmm. I don't know. Well, speculation. mm -hmm. Now, as for Gareth, he worked as a community child protection officer for a time. I'm not sure what role specifically or if that's like what we would call here in the U.S. like a CPS social worker. I, I don't know, mm. but I'm going to assume that it's something along those lines. But Nathaniel and Stacy, on the other hand, they were both teachers. Now, I guess Gareth left this job for some reason. And after that, he had a really hard time finding work. And he basically just became the stay-at-home parent. And a lot of the domestic responsibilities fell on him at this point. He had tried okay. to apply for jobs. He was just really unsuccessful. And so he mm. was the one unemployed. He was at home and he had a lot of time on his hands and he enjoyed going on the internet and looking up conspiracy theories. That's kind of how he passed his time. (laughs) So sweep the floor, make some toast, look up conspiracy theory. Lizard people. (laughs) Yeah. Nathaniel, he was the principal at, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Walgett Community College Primary School. Now, for us here in the U.S., college and primary school in Australia is what we call elementary and some of junior high here in the USA. So like primary school is like, I think up to year six or seven. I don't think it's like eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I think eighth grade and up is secondary. And then tertiary is like what we would consider university. I think they call it tertiary or um, furthering education. So I know I said college, but that's like elementary. So just think elementary. So he was Mm -hmm. the principal um, at that school and he was liked by some, but also um, he had many who weren't a big fan of his uh, and of the direction that he was taking the school. That's normal for a principal. I thought so. You know, Um, many said that he was too rigid and controlling. So that Mm -hmm. was just some people's opinion. But then on the other hand, some people loved them, loved him. So apples and oranges kind of thing. Okay. Now, in August of 2021, Nathaniel was in the school's front office when he suddenly fell to the floor. He was rushed to the hospital where they discovered he had suffered from a decently sized heart attack. Now, he did survive, but unfortunately, it took him a really long time to recover and he had to stop working after this. Mm -hmm. After this, um, he became very angry with the New South Wales um, Department of Education because he felt that they had felled him. He felt they should have supported him more after his heart attack. And he didn't like how they didn't have his back when different people would criticize his role as the principal. So... He's becoming very angry, very resentful. And now that he's out of work, all he has is time for those feelings and emotions to just like steep. Fester. And fester. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. Fester. And it just gets really bad. It just, to me. This is anxiety. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's coming into play now. It's all coming together. This all seemed to have all been just like too much for Nathaniel because after he Mm -hmm. quit and he started getting really angry, he never had a fixed address for himself after that. A fixed address? Like he never stayed in one place? Yeah, like nobody could find him. Like he would hop around and... Oh. I'm not really sure what was going on during this time because this was 
in August of 2021, and the case happens in December 2022. So there was a year there where he he wasn't, if he was like living with somebody, he wasn't there for long and then he'd move on. And Well, with his life spinning kind of out of control, the only thing you can control is like your actions or like mm-hmm. where you stay. I don't know. It's the little things that you gravitate to. Yeah. So that could just be one thing that brought him comfort. Yeah. Could be easily. I don't know. Now let's go back to that day, December 12th, 2022. Yes. Four officers approach Garrett and Stacy's property around 4.30 p.m. to conduct that welfare check on Nathaniel. Now they were there for a few other reasons um, as well, not just his welfare check, because Nathaniel had also crossed the border from New South Wales to Queensland despite not being vaccinated. So in Australia, they're a lot stricter with their vaccination laws when it came to COVID than here in the U.S. And so going from one like jurisdiction or like state to another, I call them states, I don't know what they call them um, in, in Australia, but you have to I be vaccinated. I thought it was a province, but Providence. I don't know. I know they, that's what they call them in Canada. And so I'm assuming that's probably what they call them in Australia. But going from one to the other, you have to be vaccinated. And he crossed the border not being vaccinated. And so there was that they were looking for him for, as well as he had an outstanding warrant for dumping guns at the border. So apparently what he did is he rammed the border (laughs) gate and then dumped two unregistered guns before fleeing. Now, if you're not familiar with (sighs) gun laws in Australia, they're very strict. They are night and day different than it is here in America. And if you own a gun, there are only certain ones that you can own and you have to go through a bunch of different like checks and balances types things and backgrounds to to even have a firearm. And most of the time it's just like... Isn't it hunting ones? Yeah, hunting ones. They have to be, they're usually, I'm pretty sure like the only ones you can have are for hunting. Um, okay. Yeah. And you have to like, I think you have to take like safety courses and like... Yeah, you have to you have to prove that like you can own a gun. It's a whole thing. Responsibly. I'm not against that. Anyways, not to get into a controversy. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving Nobody on. come for her. <laughs> now, before going out to the train's residence, the police did do a routine risk assessment before traveling there because it's pretty far out. It's remote. So they want to kind of see what they're getting themselves into. So they did some background mm-hmm. checks and they came back clean. Nathaniel and Stacy used to be teachers and Gareth used to work um, with child protection groups. So they had all had background checks and were able to work with vulnerable people, children. So... They didn't think they had anything to worry about. So they it's all good. Yeah. Everything's good. So they all go good out in this neighborhood. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They go out to the property. Now, as they approach the approach the remote property, 29-year-old Rachel McCrow and 26-year-old officer Matthew Arnold honked their horns to let the owners know of their arrival. Officer Randall, Kirk, and Keeley Burrow followed behind them. So those two two separate vehicles. Now, all the officers waited, and there was no movement in or around the home or the property. So they got out of their vehicles, and they jumped over a locked fence so that they could approach the residence or, like, gate. Like, it was, like, one of those big gates. Okay. So they jump over this fence. And as they started up the driveway, they saw CCTV um, cameras and even large mirrors that were, like, leaning against different trees. And it 
Oh, no. First, the um, officers weren't really sure the reasons for being there. But later on, it was theorized that they were put there to notify the occupants of the home of anyone Mm -hmm. or anything approaching the residence. Unfortunately, just moments after jumping the fence, multiple gunshots rang out and the officers quickly realized that they were under fire. Officer McGraw and Officer Arnold were hit instantly and fell to the ground. Oh my God. The other two officers, Kirk and Burrow, ran for cover. Kirk was able to make it back to his police car, but had been shot in the leg. Now, even when Kirk made it back to the police car, he was able to like get inside. The shooters continued Mm -hmm. firing at him. And this caused many of his windows to just like start shattering and he was covered in glass. And he realizes, okay, I I have to flee. Like, that's the only chance I have. I have to flee. Yeah. And as Kirk is speeding away, the shooters are actually chasing him and continue to fire at his vehicle. Oh, my God. Are they chasing him on foot? On foot. They're on foot, just like chasing this vehicle and shooting at him. So the shooters are chasing after Kirk, driving away. Officer Burrow had managed to get away on foot and she had hid in some taller vegetation. As they were looking for her, after Kirk drives (laughs) away, the shooters are now looking for Officer Burrow and they know that she's hiding in the vegetation. And so as they're looking for her, they also go up to the two officers that were shot and fell to the ground. And like, just another quick trigger warning, this kind of little graphic. They went up to them and they executed them with one shot to the head each and just killed them mm. instantly right there. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that it was released whether they died from that or from the first shots. From the first one. I'm going to assume that since they were executed like that, that they weren't dead and that they were bleeding out and massively injured. And mm. so they just executed them. Not only did they execute them, but they... Re- stole their guns and and stuff off their bodies as they were laying there. Yeah. Now, Officer Burrow is hiding in the vegetation and they know that she is and so they're looking for her and they decide that they're just going to light a fire. What? In the vegetation? They're just like, oh. They're just lighting the vegetation on fire. They're just going to let it burn and... They're going to try is, to smoke them out. They're going to try to smoke them out. Now, this is December, but you have to realize we're in Australia. So this is peak summertime. So this is hot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're complete opposite seasons here. So it's dry and the this fire is spreading pretty quickly. I'm going to just take a tiny little caveat really quick and tell you another layer that is just absolutely heartbreaking to this. The two officers that were executed, Officer McCrow, I think I was calling him McCrow, Officer McCrow, They had been sworn in as an officer in June of 2021, meaning that she had only been an officer for 18 months. And then Officer Arnold was sworn in in March of 2020, meaning he had only been an officer for two years and nine months. Like, they were baby officers. Those are very short careers to have such a horrible ending. Yeah, Officer McGrow, like 18 months. Like, I don't know how it is in Australia, but like, I'm pretty sure you're on probation and like... Uh, like officer training with a training officer for like at least a year or something like that, six months. So mm-hmm. she'd only probably been out from under that within six months to a year. She was like, is they Rest were so young. They were so young. It's horrible. So after executing the officers, the shooters had set that brush fire in order to try and force out Officer Bro. 
Now at around 5 p.m., as the fire was burning, a neighbor, 56-year-old Alan Dare, came over from his property to try and help after hearing the gunshots and seeing the smoke from the fire. Now, unfortunately, the shooters also shot Alan and killed him instantly. Mm. Due to this being an active shooter situation, this poor man's dead body was left on the side of the road for 12 hours before it was able to be retrieved. Uh, I know. That just like broke my heart. Like, Oh my God. I know there's like, you can't do anything about it. It's an active shooter situation. I get it. But like, that's just heartbreaking. That he, Yeah. And his wife like saw this and witnessed this. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Now, I did shit. hear or read in a couple articles that there was another neighbor that came to try and help, but I couldn't find any information about them. I just know that they weren't shot and they didn't die and they weren't, like they might have been shot ask, at, this, but. Was this neighborhood like, did they have a bunch of houses near No, it, this is remote. It was like remote. Kind very, of, okay. Yeah, very remote, very okay. remote. Mm-hmm. Now, the fire is blazing by this point and the smoke is becoming thick and heavy. Now, Officer Burrow is hiding in bushes and knows that she's being hunted. She can hear the shooters nearby looking for her and she even listened to them execute her colleagues. In an instant, her <sighs> life flashed before her eyes. She felt that she was either going to be burned alive or be shot. Survival did not seem like mm-hmm. it was even an option for her. They are in the middle of nowhere. So she knows that help is a decent ways away. Like she's not going to get out of this anytime soon is what she feels like. So as she's yeah. coming to terms with the fact that her life is most likely about to end, she decides that she's going to do one last thing. And that was notify the department of the ambush and what was going on. And then she sent her family goodbye and I love you texts. <gasps> oh my God, stop. I, I cannot, if I ever get one of those texts, I'm going to be a fucking hot mess. It to sedate me, put me in a hospital. Just send me out with them. You, no. The the trauma that that would cause in, in and of itself is lifelong. Lifelong. That will never leave you. And thinking about the person that's sending it, like the gravity of what they're feeling, where it's like, it's radical acceptance right then and there. This is it. And there would be so much I would want to say, but I'd have, I, I, know, I wouldn't have the yeah. time to like, I'd want to, I'd want to write a novel. Yeah. Yeah. For every single person that you love, you know? Yeah. I I couldn't do it. Surprisingly, though, at 5.15, just 45 minutes after arriving at the train property, help arrives and their arrival distracts the shooters enough that Officer Burrow is able to escape and she survives. Yes. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Someone has a a happy ending. So for the next handful of hours, it becomes a standoff. While the officers are on scene, they call for the CERT team, which is like what we would call the SWAT team here in the U.S. And they are assessing the situation. Now at 7.39, the shooters are posting to YouTube. What? Yes. They like recorded live, live videos and are recording and posting it to YouTube. And they're declaring that they were being attacked and they're spouting conspiracy, just nonsense. (laughs) At 9 p.m., the CERT team arrives on scene 
at 9.30 p.m., they breached the property with a Bearcat vehicle so that they can try to negotiate with the shooters. Now, I looked high and low, but I was never able to determine if any negotiations were actually ever tried. But after this whole thing happened, um, professionals did come out and say that based on what they know about the situation, which we'll get into more of it in a minute, they don't believe that negotiations would have ever been successful. And I have to trigger happy. I was just going to say it wouldn't have worked. I have to agree with them because, and I'm not a professional, but just knowing how far down the rabbit hole these guys were, I don't think that there was going to be anything that would have pulled them out of the delusions that they were in, in this moment. Not even a pizza. No, not even a pizza. I'm sorry. Why did that make me think <laughs> the, of Teenage Mutant Ninja situations, Turtles? They're always like, what do you yeah. want to eat? Yes. Yep. What do you want to eat? Like, I get mm-hmm. it, but <laughs> at the same time. I know. It's like, can never look at a pizza the same way again. Mm. I know. Well, the cert team, as they breach the property, a massive hunting light is turned on and the shooters aim it right at the cert team. So I think this is probably why oh, like negotiations probably didn't happen is because yeah. they kind of they were, were prepared. Like, yeah, they were in, intimidating or like trying to let them know like we're standing our ground. They were like annihilation driven. Mm-hmm. They were, this is it. Yeah. This is. Mm-hmm. They okay. discovered later, like the cert team can see them with their guns and everything with this high powered, you know, hunting light. Now, they discover later on that the shooters are armed with uh, 30-06 high-powered rifles, 22 Ren Fires, which is like they're a really small firearm. I don't know that you would hunt with a 22, right? Like maybe you would hunt like squirrels or like really small game. It's smaller game, yeah, yeah like, but not... Not like big game type. Like uh, you would you, you use shotguns for birds and things like that. So like when I say small, like rabbits and squirrels and... Chickens? Do you no? Because chickens possum. fly. So possum. Yeah, possum. Yeah. Or the spiders in Australia. Uh, you know. Seriously. Fucking <laughs> seriously. Now they also had a twelve gauge shotgun, and plus the two nine millimeter guns that were removed from the dead officers. So, as you can tell, all of those all of those guns, except for the thirty out six, because I'm not exactly sure it's a high powered rifle. So I'm assuming that's what you would use to hunt big game. So. All of the guns that they had, minus the two guns they took from the officer, were hunting weapons. They didn't have like an AK-47 or handguns or things like that because like you can't get that in Australia, like unless you're an officer. So that's all they had. Um, at 10 p.m., both parties began to exchange fire and it becomes it becomes a war zone. The shooters are oh, taking God. cover while also trying to shoot at the CERT team while the CERT team is trying to eliminate the three threats. After what was probably hundreds of shots, one man was killed while the second man and the woman continued shooting. The next man was then killed, but then the woman didn't let that stop her and she continued shooting until a few minutes later, she, she too was killed. And after that, the war zone went from complete chaos to eerily silent. Silent. And I can't. Oh, shit. I can't help but imagine like what that moment was like when you realize like all of the threats were taken out and just how quiet it became. All the shots quiet, quieted. I'm sure all the officers are like anxieties through the roof. 
the adrenaline is still like I can't coursing, you know? Like I I I'm like <sighs> and I'm just telling the story. Like, I can't imagine I what it would be like in that situation. You came so close to like your mortality. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. In that moment. That's Oof. surreal. So the day after the shooting, this is the morning after, and a man named Ronald Train got a knock on his front door. When he answered it, he found police standing before him. They told him that they were there to collect his DNA to confirm that the two shooters from the Weambilla shooting last night, Gareth and Nathaniel, were his sons. Now, Ronald hadn't seen his kids in 23 years. These two kids, he had other kids and they had stayed in contact with him. But Gareth and Nathaniel, he had not seen in 23 years. He had been aware of the missing persons report for Nathaniel, but that, that was it. So I can't, like, good morning, sir. We need your DNA. Your son's Good morning. Had a mass shooter. Please spit into this cup. The mass shooters yesterday. Like, I can't. So, yes, as you probably guessed, the shooters were Nathaniel, Gareth, and Stacy. Why? Why did they attack these officers? Stacy, no. I know. Come on, Stacy. So, let's talk about Gareth first. We talked about him growing up and his, like, he was a hard child. He got into trouble. He was overpowering, you know, domineering type, you know, person. Now, we do find out that before they moved out to Weambilla, Gareth and Stacy lived in a different community. I think it was a couple hours away. And this community, they were not fans of Gareth at all. They said that he was controlling and hard to get along with. He would drive by people going 60 miles per hour, coming within inches of hitting them. What? Rude. And okay, it it gets worse. I I still, my mind can't still comprehend what I'm about to say. He would go out and hunt boars and then he would come home and he would, you know, undress the, 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 the boars and he would hang their dead carcasses in his backyard that was adjacent to a school. What the fuck? A, a children's, a children's school. Not appropriate, not I, the right decor. Yeah, ha- what? Choose something different. Get a shed. Anything. Get a fucking shed. Get, Get a, a barn. Get I what? Or like finish the job with the carcass, whatever you're trying to do. I don't understand. It, I, I don't either. And he you're would trying to get meat off that thing? He would do this regularly. And it was noted that allegedly he did pull Stacy up the stairs one time by her hair. That is the only incidence of like physical abuse or domestic violence that I was able to uncover. And I only saw it mentioned one time. So like, I mean, I I put the word allegedly because I can't confirm it. Hopefully there was nothing else. I don't really know if that was part of it, if that's true, but I did find that. Now, after they left this community, they moved hours away because people didn't like them. They They didn't like Gareth. And so they wanted to get out into the wilderness. By this time, Gareth had, I think, already lost his job and had become like the stay-at-home parent and had started Mm -hmm. to spend more and more of his time on the internet. And he started really falling down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. Now, it's unfortunately... So they <laughs> end up moving out to Weambilla. Now, over the years, it seems that he... with 
falling down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, he became increasingly paranoid. And with that would make him fall even further down this rabbit hole. So it was like this cycle that he couldn't break. He posted continually on conspiratorial websites expressing his opinions and getting wrapped up in all this further and further. See, this is why I don't feed into any conspiracy theory because I just know I'll get too deep into it. Yeah, it's it, it can suck you in. It can suck you in, okay? And I... And like a person with anxiety doesn't need any more paranoia, you know? No, no not we at don't need all. That. So I am going to read to you some of the stuff that he would post. And I'm just going to give you little snippets. This is going to be a lot coming at you. You're going to feel like you have whip flash when I get done with this list. I'm just going to warn you. Okay. So I don't want this, but okay. (laughs) He, some of it is kind of, I can't help but laugh at some of these conspiracy theories. No, a lot of conspiracy theories are just like, they don't make sense to the rational brain. The president's a lizard person. And I, you guys might be laughing when I say that, but like people legit think that, okay? That is a legit, and it's a legit belief. I know somebody that believes that. The scaly I, president. I, he's a clone and a lizard person. I don't, I can't, I can't. Give okay. him some flies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so Gareth considered himself a survivalist and he made comments that he had been ARC homesteading for the past five years in order to quote, survive tomorrow. I've tried to look up ARC homesteading. I don't really get it. I think it's just normal homesteading. I could be wrong. If you know what it is, comment on our Instagram because I had trouble understanding it. And I will admit- A-R-K? Yeah, like Noah's Ark. Yeah. I will be honest, I didn't look into it too deep because I was like, I really don't care. (laughs) He continually posted about his mistrust for the government or any authorities. He was very critical of the Queensland Special Emergency Response Team, which is the CERT team, which was what we called would call SWAT here, which ultimately was who ended up arriving on scene and killed him. He even said, when it become, quote, when it becomes clear that we are in a time like no other and you head out into the wilderness to escape persecution, know that my wife and I will offer refuge to all brothers and sisters. He, mm-hmm. he also said, okay. quote, if you are a conservative, anti-vax, freedom lover, protester, common law, conspiracy talker, alternative news, independent critical thinker, truther, Christian, patriot, et cetera, et cetera. Expect a visit from these hammers. <laughs> I, I I think he was like talking about the government. Like I think he was like saying the government was the hammers. Okay, so. it sounds like that whole clip from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> you want a roundhouse kick to the face and these bad boys? Yeah. Like that's what it sounds like to me <laughs> with the patriotism on top of uh-huh. it. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he believed the police were targeting truthers, quote, and cons- mm. quote, conspiracy talkers. Always. Mm-hmm. He considered himself part of the sovereign citizens movement. He worried about toxins, biochemical warfare, AI, and drones. He was convinced that Diana, the Princess of Wales, was killed in a cult blood sacrifice. Uh, one time he posted that compliance turned people into soulless, spiritless, demonic meat suits. Meat suits? Meat suits. We're just flesh tubes in this world. That's all we are. We're just meat suits. It's not a birthday suit anymore. It's your, it's your meat suit. <laughs> it's 
That's terrifying to think about. Great. Thanks, I hate it. Gareth also believed that the police were harassing him and using aircraft to spy on him and that he believed that they were planning on kidnapping both him and Stacy, and then they would murder them. He believed there was re-education camps that people were taken to by government-operated um, trains, so like different trains within the country. Okay. He believed the government was trying to control people's minds. Uh, they believed that the COVID pandemic was a sign of the end times. As did almost everyone. <laughs> yeah. He said that the Port Arthur massacre in 1996 was a false flag operation, and it was done in order to, quote, disarm the Australian population. For those... I don't know what that is. I'll give you a short little synopsis. So the Port Arthur massacre was Australia's deadliest mass shooting, and it killed 35 people. Within two weeks of the massacre, legislation was passed that established heavy restrictions on the use of automatic and semi-automatic weapons. It created a gun buyback program, a national gun registry, and a waiting period for all firearm sales. They had tried to like put in like this gun restriction law prior to the massacre um, and it didn't pass. And then the massacre happened and, and it, it uh, made it made them. And they were like, oh, this is real. Okay, oh, let's pass oh, it. Yeah, okay. Mass shootings are, are totally tragic. Let's not do this again. I think if I'm mm-hmm. remembering the actual massacre, what happened was a guy went into um, like a, I think it was like a, some kind of shop uh, or like a little diner or something like a downtown diner and or business and he was shot the he shot the owners and I think they had like bought it from him or they lost money in it or something along those lines and then he just like went on a rampage and just like kept going to different stores and just like shooting people it was tragic oh wow so it wasn't like super planned to kill a bunch of people it was just like fit of rage. Yeah, I don't think so, but don't don't hold me to that. But yeah, it killed we 35 won't. people. Thank you. Wow. So yeah, he said that was a false flag operation and it was done in order to disarm the Australian population, basically saying the government mm. planned it all. It was a government planned mass shooting so that they could take your guns away. Interesting. A few weeks before the mass shooting, Gareth posted saying that cops were, quote, public state actors and that he was under the opinion that if they as in the cops, uh, cross the Rubicon, a phrase that means a point of no return. I had to Google that because I was like, what the fuck, past the Rubicon? That it was... I've heard that before. I had never heard that, never. But it was God giving them a clear sign to defend themselves. So he's saying, if the cops come onto my property or do something that we deem as a threat... And we say mm-hmm. that is the point of no return. God is saying, you're allowed to kill whoever you want. I'm giving you permission. What? Yeah. <sighs> God's like, don't put my name on this shit. All these people putting his name on all these massacres over history. I think he's probably pissed at all of us. So God is a big boy and mm-hmm. doesn't need you speaking on behalf of them. Agreed. Agreed. So that's just a little bit of his like conspiratorial. He was on a bunch of message boards. A little bit? That was a lot. Yeah, that's just a little bit. 
I was just a little bit. Okay. It goes pretty deep. And so he definitely got wrapped up in the whole like COVID-19 conspiracies. Um, very much like <sighs> the government's out to get us. This is all a sign of the end times. The rapture's coming. Be prepared. The government's going to come and, you know, try to take you out because we're truthers. So they want to eliminate the truthers. Okay. I swear the government could care less about your conspiracy talk. Seriously, I'm just saying. I was going to say, I just don't think the government cares that much. They don't give a shit. I think they care. I don't think it matters. I'm pretty sure Republicans just care about like Trump and getting Trump in office or not caring about what the fuck he's done wrong. And then Democrats are just not doing everything they should and the whole system's fucked up. They don't care. They don't fucking care. They don't care what you're posting on the fucking internet. Okay, they've got bigger problems than your conspiracy theories. Just saying. Unless you post a bomb threat, then that's a big deal. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's 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 terrorism. <laughs> that's not conspiracy. Don't do that, ever. <laughs> oh. Now let's talk about Stacy. okay? I don't have a whole lot of information about Stacy, but she was a teacher. And I do know that at the end of December of 2021, she ended up resigning from teaching because she refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, one of her okay. colleagues loved her and they were like heartbroken that she was just choosing to resign instead of get the vaccine. This woman saw the vaccine as just a vaccine. It's there to protect you. She saw it as like something minuscule. Like, it's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah. And Stacy's over here, like, looking at these vaccines as like, this is the end of the of the world. Like, if you give me that shot, yeah. I'm going to die. And the government's going to track me. And like, she is full in on all these conspiracies with Gareth. And so they are... Mm polar opposites of the spectrum with their views and opinions of the COVID-19 vaccine. But of course, this colleague mm-hmm. has no idea that that's where Stacy's mind is. And so she, when she finds this out that Stacy's leaving because of the vaccine, she jokingly is like, oh, don't go. She's like, I'll hold you down and give you the vaccine myself. But she's joking. But Stacy yeah, yeah. looked at her like, the fuck you will. And like, was Ooh. scared. And she kind of was like, oh, okay. And moving on. And the conversation stopped. Like, it was literally just a joke. But Stacey uh, she, took it yeah. as like she was being serious. Like, you, you you work for the government. Like, you could really give me that shot. And you want to hold me down and give it. Oh, my God. So it just kind of shows, like, how, how deep they're into this. How fucked in the head they were. Mm-hmm. Now, we already know about what Nathaniel and what was going on in his life. He had that massive heart attack. Yeah. I I feel like having that heart attack and then he's taking all of his anger out on the Department of Education. I can't help but think that he also had all of this resentment and hurts over him and Stacy's marriage failing and Gareth, his brother, fucking coming in and taking Oof. his wife. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you've, you said it. You've <laughs> got to have some like, what the fuck, you know, feelings about that. But I think he just, instead of dealing with that, he just like directed everything into his frustration and resentment for the Department of Education. It's possible. Now, Micah Goldwater, a Sydney University psychology academic, said that research shows people who engage with conspiracy theories feel that they have lost control of their lives. And it's if like conspiracies allow them to regain some sense of control. 
And he theorized that if Nathaniel didn't get the department support and had lost control over his health and other areas of his life, that it could have put him in a very vulnerable spot for his brother to kind of swoop in and bring him down the rabbit hole of all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. Another professor, Tully Rosenfeld, said that Nathaniel may have actually suffered some type of brain injury as well due to the lack of oxygen when he did have his massive heart attack. And this could have played into his declining mental health. So there could be a whole bunch of different things playing together on what led him down this road in such a short time too. They were very respectable teachers and like, you would not have expected this to happen and and these people to go down this path at all. Yeah. One year prior to this, you know. Mental health matters. Mm-hmm. Now, remember when I said in the beginning that Gareth had sent like texts and voicemails and stuff to Vanessa, Nathaniel's second wife, and they were like very yes. volatile and everything. Now, Stacy and Gareth apparently saw Nathaniel as a whistleblower that was trying to expose corruption within the police department and the education department. So they were able to like pull him in on this and they were using it to protect him. So I think they were like honestly trying to hide Nathaniel and thought that people were literally going to come and try to kill him because he was a whistleblower Oh wow! for the Department of Education <sighs> and the okay. police department. And I'm like, also, he had like no ties to the police department. So like, where is he getting this, 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 you know, information? That's what I was just about to ask. Where is police department? <sighs> I don't, Link. I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's gotcha. a great. And he was not part of the Department of Education besides being a principal. So he didn't have like an active role in the Department of Education. So like, he could, I'm not saying he couldn't have had some kind of information, but like, I don't think enough to be a whistleblower. I could be wrong. But they're not using all their brain squiggles, no. it seems, at this time. Mm-mm. So like, they're not thinking rationally. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So I think he sent those messages to Vanessa because he knew that she was increasingly worried. I think she probably had said, like, I'm going to file a missing persons report. Like, what is going on? Uh, And I think that Gareth and Stacey were kind of keeping Nathaniel from Vanessa. And so since she might have threatened filing the police report, they he got mad and was like, you're trying to kill us and blah, 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 sends off this you know, crazy mm-hmm. long tyrant. Now, yeah. Uh, following the shooting, that's literally like all we know when it comes to Gareth, Tracy, or Stacy, not Tracy, gotcha. Stacy and Nathaniel. <laughs> now, in February of 2023, the deputy police commissioner, Tracy Linford, said that they believed that this was a planned attack, but that they didn't believe anyone else was involved. Um, she noted that the shooting was religiously motivated and that the shooters were religious extremists she says this quote, religious extremists who subscribed to a broad Christian fundamentalist belief system known as pre-millennialism. Now, I do have a lot to say about this, but I'm going to give you kind of like a breakdown of pre-millennialism according to Wikipedia, okay? So don't at me. I don't really understand a lot of this, okay? Um, yeah, I just believe what people. I know, like, I just believe what people told me to believe, okay? I don't know all of this. But pre-millennialism is the belief in the second coming of Jesus and a literal interpretation of Revelations, the last book of the Bible. So think fundamentalist, evangelical type denominations. 
Um, Plus the three-headed goat with mm-hmm. the eight eyes and mm-hmm. the flaming wings. Yes, and your biblical angels. Tangible. Your biblical, have you ever seen like the biblical angels? Like the, was it like 30-something eyes? I want to get... My tattoo artist has two yeah. biblically accurate angels like hanging on her station. You know, like everyone puts like a fucking angel on the top of their Christmas tree. Like I want to get one I of know. those biblical, I want to make one. And put crochet it on one. I don't know if I could crochet one, Cro- but... You could crochet one. You know. could crochet anything. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, anyways. Okay, so the denominations that wouldn't fall under like premillennialism um, is like Oriental. Is it Oriental? It says Oriental. That sounds wrong. I, I have dyslexia. I might have typed that wrong. But Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodoxy, Catholicism, um, Anglicanism, Presbyterianism, and like Lutheranism. Like I said, according to Wikipedia, so like, don't at me. <laughs> really quick before I go on to the very end, I I don't know how I feel about calling it religious extremists because yes, I agree. Like this was religious extremists, but it was also like the conspiracy side of it. So I feel like that also plays into it just as much as the religion parts of it. I think I have the perfect way to like frame it in words. I think conspiracy theory motivated and religiously charged. Yes. Like they're using the religion to justify their conspiracy theories. That's it. But I feel like the root is the conspiracy. It's conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the religion is just like, yeah, you're right. Yep. Religion is just like the side chick of, of this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Not not the main and I, main girl. I will say that people have asked, and I have even thought this, and it's taken me a while to get to this point of like wondering in the beginning, why is it that Christians specifically, um, it could be other religions too. I don't have a lived experience in other religions, so I'm speaking from my own lived experience. So why is it that within Christian circles, it is so easy for people to fall down the conspiracy rabbit hole? And it's a spectrum, <sighs> you know? There, yeah. If, you know, there's a few that are harmless, you know? But then you get further into it and you're believing that the president's a lizard person and a clone and, uh, you know? And so it's just, there's, there's a whole spectrum. But I've always wondered, like, why is it that Christians are so easily able to fall into this category. And this is the conclusion I've come to. I think it's the lack of critical thinking. That's a bingo, bitch. That's exactly what I was about to fucking say. Religion turns off your critical thinking, especially within yeah. Christianity. When you have questions, nope, can't ask questions. The Bible is literal. It's a literal interpretation. This is just what the Bible says. And it's very black and white and it ignores the nuances of life in all situations. And when you ignore the gray, mm. then you are literally discounting all critical thinking. And well, and to the whole like uh, narrative that a lot of Christian circles tend to push is you can't trust yourself. You can't trust mm-hmm. worldly, I'm putting this in quotation marks, mm-hmm. worldly forces or worldly things. Desires. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to trust your government. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you to distrust your government. But like, your religion shouldn't push you one way or the other. You should come to those conclusions on your own mm-hmm. based on, you know, your own mm-hmm. moral compass and 
facts. I, I, I had somebody multiple times come to me because after I left the cult, I was still pretty, you know, deep into religion and Christianity and stuff. Yeah. And after a few years, like I would research everything. Um, and as the years went on, I would research more and more. And then as I like really started to deconstruct, I full blown would like research everything out. And this person came to me multiple times and even prior to me deconstructing and tried to tell me that my researching was causing my anxiety. Like you just need to trust and you looking all of this stuff up, are you doing, and which they do have a point. I mean, it's like, you have a cold, don't Google why why you have a cold. This is going <laughs> to tell you you have cancer and you're going to die tomorrow. Like, don't do that. But this person would try to tell me, like, convince me that my researching was like causing me my stress. And when I deconstructed and it kind of like the shit hit the fan, they brought this up to me again. And I finally looked at them and I said, you will never understand what it's like to be in a cult and have all of your decisions chosen for you and never get to think for yourself. And anytime you tried to think for yourself, it was shut down. And when I left that, I told myself I would never be in that position again and that I would start thinking for myself. And it still took me 10 years to fully like trust myself and really dig into it. And I said, I will never stop researching everything. And I, I, and you will not make me feel bad about it because I think my research is powerful. Exactly. And so I'm like, I, no one can take it from you. I, I, yeah. And I need to be able to disagree with you. I need to be able to disagree with them. I need to, I need to be, we need to have these conversations and these abilities to have different opinions, different perspectives, different interpretations of theology and, and, and religion and sit in those nuances. When you get to the extremes of the black and the white, you have the society that we live in today where it is so fucking polarized. And it's sad. And Well, and not everything has to be conflict. Mm-hmm. It could be a collaboration of like different perspectives coming together. Nobody wants to talk about that part. You all want to debate each other, but you don't want to collab on anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you can't hold space for anybody else but your own mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings and mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. which is valid, but like, come on, mm-hmm. you got to hold space for other people. You know, I feel like what happened to me today, Lola, is a perfect example. And I want to tell the story. You guys got to hear <laughs> you what, should tell the story. what fucking happened to me today. God damn. Okay, so... My blood is still boiling <laughs> my blood over is still that. Boiling. So I said, give me the fucking phone number. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to go pick up my kid from school. And I noticed that when we were, I went to the pickup line, there were some older people standing out with some flyers and they were passing them out. So I assumed it was for like a church's um, like Christmas service because there is a church that's like right near the school. And um, they came to my car and I rolled my window down and come to find out it wasn't a Christmas service. It was for uh, a kid's ministry Wednesday night thing that they were starting. And I was very polite, but I didn't, you know, want to waste their paper, save the planet, do my part. So I very politely declined the paper and I said, I'm going to let you keep this. And I said, I'm sorry, we don't let our kids go to church. I was honest. I said it in a very nice voice. 
this man looked at me as if I just told him that I sacrificed my children up to Beelzebub himself because he was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I swear, the color just drained out of his face. And I'm just looking at him and he looks at me and he pops off with this snotty ass remark and he goes, well, you should be. (laughs) <laughs> because I had said, I'm sorry, I don't let my kids go to school or go to school. I don't let my kids go to church. And he's like, well, you should be. Like, you should be sorry you don't let your kids go to church. And I, my, I mean, my heart rate went up and I was boiling and I like said it loudly out the window because he had already started to walk away. And I said, I, I said, the church is not a safe place for children. And he turned his head back around Correct. and looked at me like, what? Like you just ate your child. Yeah. Like, I, and he just like walked off. Like he was, you know, I, to give you guys a mental picture, and I did this for Lola earlier. I was like, give you a mental picture of this these guys. This is my favorite. I love her visuals. They are classic boomer, early or like mid to late 60s, been preaching for 42 years type people. You know, they are of that generation. They have never been called out for their shit one day of their goddamn life. And I was honest and I was respectful until he wasn't. And then I was like, motherfucker. Well, he walks off and the pastor, I'm assuming he didn't tell me he's the pastor, but I'm assuming he's the pastor. He comes up and I roll my window down and he said, I'm not going to make you take a flyer. I'm like, okay. Like I wasn't going to take one. (laughs) He goes, but I, you know, I overheard you guys. And I said, here's the thing. I just stopped him. And I said, here's the thing. You can Google it. I said, but statistically, my children are at greater risk of being sexually assaulted in a church building by church staff than they are anywhere else. And I am uncomfortable with my children attending your Mm -hmm. church or any church's events or services. And he said, oh, I don't have to Google it. Got very defensive. Classic boomer. I know not all, okay, but classic, typical boomer response. And he's like, I don't have to Google it. I know. I know. And I'm thinking, okay, then the conversation should be ending right here. You should be able to look at me knowing that this is a very large problem in our society and understand my concerns and, and that I am being a good mother and listening to my concerns and fears and protecting and advocating for my children. The conversation should have ended here, but it did not. And he pulls out the Bible and he doesn't actually physically pull it out, but he's throwing out Bible verses at me. And he's like, he's like, you know, God says that, you know, he came to die for the church. You know, Jesus came to die for the church. And I said, that all depends on your interpretation. And I said, the church doesn't have to mean a physical building. It can be people like God died for people. And Mm -hmm. he said, this was really funny because I said, he said something about the Bible again. And I said, I said, I, I know the Bible. I understand. I used to be a Christian. And he goes, oh, if you used to be a Christian, then you still are. And it actually made me laugh. I know. And it made me laugh because I was like, and I said out loud, I go, well, there's a few people who probably argue with you on that one. <laughs> but I, and then I said, I said, and he, and then he comments something about the um, God writing the letters to the seven churches. And I said, I said, God didn't write it. Paul wrote it. A man wrote those letters. And he said, no, it wasn't Paul. It was John. And I said, okay, well, it was still a man, like whatever. And and he was like, no, it was God through a man. 
And he kept going like, it was, it was, it was God through a man. I was like, no, it was still a man. And then I just stopped him because I was like, this has nothing to do with my decision to not want my kids in church. Like this has nothing to do with it. I said, we don't have to sit here and have an argument or a disagreement on theology or biblical interpretations. I said, the fact is that statistically, my children are not safe in churches. And he, he couldn't handle he could that. Not hand, he couldn't respect He could not it. handle that. And he's like, well, we're a safe haven. And I said, and what does that have to do with me not wanting to bring my kids to your service? And he's like, well, safe havens are for like schools who in a case of an emergency can bring their students over to, to this location and, and we open our building to them. And I said, okay, what does that have to do with anything? And he said, well, I'm going to need your name because I'm going to need to talk to the principal because if you're uncomfortable in this, then your daughter's not allowed on our property. And I said, excuse me? Like, that's a completely different situation. That's in a case of emergency. And when we say in case of an emergency, like we're talking active shooter drills, not drills, like an active shooter situation and the kids need to be taken out of the school. And he's like, well, you could- Like a life-threatening emergency. <laughs> life-threatening. The, the, the building is on fire, you know? There is an active shooter, something along those lines. And I said, that is a completely different situation because my children would not be under your care. They would be under the care and the responsibility of their teachers and the school staff. And statistically, my children are safer with the school staff than they are with your church and your church's leaders. And he said, he started going off on schools and how schools are bad and blah, 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 blah. And I was just, and I told him, I said, you're not going to change my opinion. So I'm not really sure like where you're going with this argument. And he's like, well, I just, I just, you could sue us. And I'm like, I would not sue you if my <laughs> kids came over in the case of a fucking emergency because you're not the responsible party for them. The school is. And you're not teaching them about Jesus when there's an active shooter drill. And like, where there's, are the brain squiggles? I'm like, there's going to be cops there. Like, you are grasping at tra- straws here, my dude. And he's like, well, I just, I'm going to need to talk to the, to the principal about this. And, and this is a concern. And I said, okay, you have that conversation. And I just like rolled my window up. and was like, uh, you have fun with that, bud. Fucking heated. And he's like, have a good day. And I was like, go fuck yourself. I didn't say that, but I wanted to. Yeah, she thought it. She thought it hard. Oh, I heard it. I I had no kids with me. And so I was just honest and I had the conversation and it, honestly, I felt really good about it at the end. Um, But I, I, this was just a wild, wild, wild situation. And this man could not Mm -mm. just take my concerns and my valid concerns. I didn't say anything against your religion. I didn't say anything against Jesus. I Mm -mm. brought up a real tangible, statistical problem that we have in churches in many denominations here in America. And that was my reason for not wanting my kids to attend church. And you shouldn't have even had to justify it. Like if someone says like, no, I'm not interested. Exactly. You can't force somebody to take a flyer. You can't force them to explain why they're rejecting whatever offer you're giving. It's like, just fucking respect that a person doesn't have an interest in attending your church. Like when I said, that's it. I'm sorry. I'm going to let you keep this. We don't let our kids go to church. And I said it nicely, but he, oh, I mean, super offended, super offended, super fast. And I'm like, I understand that that's, that's, 
it's kind of a hard thing to grasp, especially if you've been in religion and I live in the South. So you've been in religion and that's your whole life. But like the conversation could have gone a thousand different ways. And he could have been like, oh, can I, can I ask why? But it's that classic older generation, boomer, even the generations below that instant defensiveness and they don't want to take the time to listen to your side. They're just like, this is the truth. You're stupid. You're young and you have no idea what you're talking about. You know what would have been an awesome response? What? If he would have just, (laughs) from his end, an awesome response could have just been, okay, thank you so much for giving the flyer back. Yeah. Have a good day. Mm -hmm. Stay safe. Yeah. Or um, if they needed, just needed to know why. Uh Say, you know, can I ask why? Yeah. And then say, you're totally right. I'm so sorry, you know, that that's a hard truth. We're trying to be better. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like that that may tempt me to take your flyer. If you're saying, you're totally right. That is definitely a concern. And we definitely want to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, I would have been like, I would have been like, great. Taking accountability? I, I would have been like, moving forward, okay. That's <laughs> wonderful. I'm glad, like, what are, what policies? Can I ask you what policies you're putting in place? I would, I would have had the conversation going. We could have built a friendship. I could have given some resources. Like, this, this could have been, it great. could have been a wonderful interaction, but instead they met you with defensiveness mm-hmm. and like tried to invalidate mm-hmm. your like feelings and your reasons. And exactly. <laughs> So stupid. And I have to say, like the area I live in, like they they don't like shy away from like manipulating and making you feel bad for not coming to church. Like there was literally a church (laughs) that had a sign out that says parents that don't go to church um, are taking their kids to hell. Oh, that was literally the sign out in the front. Like, welcome. No, we had a great (laughs) sign on a church that was nearby my house. It said, um, this is back like a summer or two ago. If they say, you think it's hot outside, which it was like 102. You think it's hot outside, it's hotter in hell. I, just, I can't. <laughs> like, was that a threat? I'm sorry. What do you think that's going to make me do? Me like, yeah, I'm going to go sit my ass in your pew. I don't, I just, I just don't get it. Let me go sit in this AC and get condemned for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By a bunch of pedophiles and rapists mm-hmm. and uh, cheaters and liars and thieves. Yeah, sounds good. But it's just that black and white thinking and not being able to see the nuances in everyday life. And I think that is why so many people within Christianity and probably other religions fall down the rabbit hole of wild, wild fucking conspiracy theories. I, for sure. if you have never watched, because there's like a lot of Christians who believe in um, QAnon and like a bunch of the conspiracy theories surrounding QAnon. There is a documentary on, I think it's on HBO Max or on Hulu. I will link it in the show notes. Um, And it's like a four or five part documentary where they, this guy, he basically uncovers the guy who's behind QAnon. And it's not like solid, but it's like, you know that he's right by the end of it. And it's just... It's wild. It's very eye-opening. And it's probably, in my opinion, a safe way to understand the QAnon conspiracy theory without having to dive into the shit show that is all the conspiracies. All the little trails. Mm -hmm. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you enough to understand without 
like making you consume just complete and utter nonsense, but... Okay, so I know that the three like perpetrators are dead. So yeah. was there, you said it's an open shut case. There was no trial. No trial. Is there any like other end that happens to this? Is that it? Nope, that's, that is it. They did, which I thought this was absolutely beautiful. Officer Arnold and McCrow, McCrow uh, were awarded the National Police Service Medal, National Medal, yeah. Queensland Police Service Medal, and Queensland Police Valor Medal. Now, Alan Dale, the neighbor, Mm-hmm. He was awarded a posthumous a Queensland Police Bravery Medal. Hell yeah. I thought that was the sweetest thing ever. I love that. Um, yeah. And they, they did that, but it's basically like there's nobody else they can hold accountable. It's, For sure. It's all yeah. just like online conspiracy theories and the people who did the shootings are dead. So like there, there's no justice. You know, like there's no trial. There's no really in-depth of understanding. Um, I'm sure the police have more information, but this is all that's actually been like technically released. Um, Madeline, their youngest child, has done a few interviews and she, I feel for her deeply because she loves her parents. Like she loved all of this, her family, and she's having to cope with the fact that her parents have done this. And yeah. it's literally just over a year that they've done this. So I can't imagine how this time of year is for her, it being the one year anniversary. And she has grieved all people, all of them that have died, her family members, the officers, the neighbor, all six people. She seems very empathetic. She gets a little defensive when people call her family monsters. And I get where she's coming from because they're not taking into Um, consideration or understanding the depth of the conspiracies. And she would even try, like when they would like email and text her like crazy stuff, she would try to send them back like an article, like disproving what they were saying. And like, maybe you should look at this. Like she tried, but when people are- stuff. Yeah. When people are this deep, like there's really nothing you can do. It's hard to pull them back to reality. It, there's really nothing you can do. We've talked to Lola and I've actually talked to people um, like professionals in like sex trafficking and stuff and had conversations with them. And they've said that if it is something that like the women have gotten themselves into and you're trying to like tell them like, this is a sex trafficking situation, like you should get yourself out. Nothing you say or do can like pull them out. They'll have to come to that realization yourself. But the best thing you can do is just be there for them. Don't demonize them. Yeah. Don't publicly ostracize them. Like, no name calling. <laughs> no name calling. And just be there and try to show yeah. reality when you can. And then just hope that when they, when or if they come to their senses, that they will at least know that you're a safe person to go to because you haven't been shitting yes. on them for however long. So mm. it's a hard situation. Very hard situation. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Well, uh, we definitely remember and honor the victims in this case. Yes. For sure. Uh, glad there weren't any more Mm -hmm. than just those. For sure. Uh, but please use your critical thinking and don't fall down conspiracy rabbit holes. That are like For this sure. dangerous. Like I understand entertaining a few conspiracies. There are a few that I'm like, mm, that's a little interesting, but not. Sometimes it's fun to think about them. Yeah. You know? 
Like the Kennedy stuff. I think about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lincoln, come on. Yeah. Come on. You know? Hey, what was behind that, you know? But just don't get consumed. Don't get consumed. Maybe not. And if you find yourself getting consumed, just exit the internet for a long time. Exit stage left. Take a break. Yep, yep, drink, yep. Drink some coffee. Talk to a therapist. You know, watch a good movie. Or but tell a dad joke. I want to hear the dad, dad, dad joke. joke. I was about to say like, anyways, onto our palate cleansers. Let's let's get a refresher. Okay, so my palate cleanser tonight is <laughs> my my husband said a dad joke. He has entered his dad joke era. And Perfect. it is, some of them are funny. And then some of them are like, are you serious? And last night, or not last night, tonight when we were at dinner and my daughter she has a best friend at school and she bought her for Christmas one of those circle water bottles that has like the tubes of flavor that you like you drink and you can control like how yes. much flavor you get. That's right. My daughter's been wanting one since the summer. And so she was so excited. Her best friend got her one for Christmas and it was so super cute. She was like obsessed with it. And we're sitting at dinner and he goes, do you want to know what they call it a circle? And my daughter's like, why? And he's like, because it comes full circle because you drink it and then you pee it out and then it goes into evaporating evaporating and then rains and then turns into water they collect that you drink. And I was like looking at him like, oh my God, what in the world? And my my daughter's looking at him like, ew, I'm eating. And he's over there cracking up, laughing his ass oh off. My like God. I am the That's funniest. That's the lamest. And I'm like, he's funny. Like I will admit he is hilarious. But he's entered this dad joke era that sometimes I'm like, I love you, babe, but why? But why? The dad jokes have to, they have to end somewhere. <laughs> oh, he gives us a laugh, but. He's a cutie. I have a special guest. I was about for to say. My, you I have do? A special guest. Is he part of your palate cleanser? <gasps> he's going to tell the palate cleanser. I'm actually going to go ahead and step back for a second and he's going to do it. I am so. So excited. Hey. Howdy. Disclaimer, I don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> Sorry. So, I'm really nervous. We're going into uncharted territory. In the Old Testament. Okay. The Israelites. Introduce yourself. Huh? introduce yourself real quick. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm the coolest guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> this is Lola's fiance. <laughs> In the Old Testament, the Israelites had pissed off God. Again. And it was like... For the millionth time. Again, uh-huh. 90% of the Old Testament. <laughs> and so they lose a battle against the Canaanites, I believe it is. And they take the Ark of the Covenant after Israel loses the battle. Mm-hmm. And so they put it in their temple. And they're like, ha we got this cool looking box. <laughs> and so the next day they come to their temple and all of their statues are face down. Facing the Ark of the Covenant. And they're like, hmm. That's weird. So they lift all their statues back up and they're like, all right, must have been an earthquake in this one specific place. So the next day they come in and they're like, huh, that's weird because all the statues had their hands and heads cut off and were all bowing down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, wait, is this a real Bible story or is this a joke? Yeah. Okay, it's a real Bible story. Okay, okay, okay. And so... Keep going, sorry. Later on, they're like, huh, That's really weird. And then God was like, return my covenant to my people. And they're like, psh, you ain't going to do nothing. And he struck them all with hemorrhoids. And so to appease God, 
<laughs> the Canaanites craft. I think he sent rats and gave them hemorrhoids. So they crafted a golden serious? rat and a golden <laughs> hemorrhoid and placed them in the Ark of the Covenant and then put it on a pallet and attached that to a cow. And they were like, if this God is real, like it was a mom cow, and the calf was like right next to it. And they're like, if this God is real, the mama cow was just going to dip out and go to Israel and won't worry about the baby calf that's crying right next to it. And that's what it did. And they returned the Ark of the Covenant that way. Oh. And that is one of my favorite Bible stories. That is? Thank you, Andrew. Fuck, have I never heard that story? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm glad you could all meet my fiance this way. Hold um, on. How have I never heard this Bible story? You haven't? No. When he said hemorrhoids, I I was caught off guard. I have a small disclaimer. You have a small disclaimer. I might be mixing up like two or three Bible stories <laughs> with that. But it's still just my, it's been a while since I've heard that story, but it stuck with me when I was younger. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's okay, fine. so oh there may gosh. or may not be a thing. I know all of these things happen in the Bible, but it might yeah. not be all in the same story is the thing. But I, the, the, I, the reality is God sent hemorrhoids. So yeah. Whether God that, sent hemorrhoids. Whether, that's the reality of the situation. In the Ark of the Covenant, there is golden hemorrhoids. There's hemorrhoids. Oh my God. Well, I hope you all enjoyed your weird Bible story with Andrew. Maybe we'll have him on for another palate cleanser, but it will not be a Bible story. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed that one. I thought that was hilarious. It was funny. Bring us bring us some new funny Bible stories because holy shit, that's that's hilarious. Well, well, you guys <gasps> be safe and be yeah. nice to each other and don't join a cult and drink. Uh, I don't know. What yeah. else? What else be, is be there? Be good. Be good Get a people. Nice coffee. See the nuances. Try to come together. Be purple See people. Be a purple person. If you've Wash never... your hair if you haven't washed it mm-hmm. in two weeks. Wash I your butt crack. You. Okay. Every day. Every damn day. Wash your butt crack. Anyways. Floss. Peace out. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, you should like or follow or subscribe or leave a comment. Bring your goats, your fainting goats, so we may yoga with them or pet them. This Choircast podcast is produced by Lisey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howell. Thanks for listening. Also, last note, if any of you are experiencing any kind of domestic violence or abuse, we are going to have resources in the show notes. We're going to plug that at the end of every episode from now on so that you guys know that that is available um, and that we love you. And if you're struggling with your mental health or if you need help and to you know help find a way out of whatever situation you're in, please, please, like always, check our show notes and the list of resources. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.